So welcome to uh, our first ever discussion. We have Matt Salmon uh, representing the Manufactured Housing Association of British Columbia and Bryce Nugent representing the uh, Manufactured Housing Association of the Prairie Provinces. Uh, we have the two presidents here today talking to us about modular and the industry and we have a, a few things we'd like to discuss today and so thank you very much for being here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you for having us. It's a pleasure to be here. Great. So yeah, I just want to kind of kick things off by uh, asking, you know, the, the question of like, what are what are the misconceptions between modular housing versus uh, the traditional kind of stick built home? What are, what are the differences or maybe even the misconceptions about that? Sure, Matthew, why don't you start for BC's BC perspective? Yeah, I think the the factory built housing industry has a long and quite storied history within North America. Um, a lot of people, the first thing that comes to mind when they think of a factory-built building is they think of the Trailer Park Boys. Yes. The show that they saw on CBC that had worldwide acclaim, and it's a great show, but it doesn't accurately represent um, what we construct, the communities where homes can go, uh, the individuals that live in them. It's it's a great piece of comedy, um, but it has created a lot of misconceptions about what this product is. But this product has been around for um, well over 60 years, and as such, it's gone through many different iterations over that time. And it's also just gone through different types of code standards that it's built to um, ideas of what's good enough, as all construction in Canada has over that last 60 years. So there was a time when uh, things could be built with aluminum walls, and, and now we know that construction needs to be to a higher standard to have a better energy efficiency. So one of those misconceptions that people have is that it's, you know, a simple or a cheaply built structure right. or that it's, uh, that there's no real creativity to it. There's no comfort to it. And that's one of the, the things that we'll be talking about today is that misconception of it being other or different than a traditional home that people think of within Canada. So I'm sure we'll be hitting on some of those misconceptions today. Yeah, good point. And I think too, with with uh, looking back in the past, is is manufacturer trailers used to be looked at as disposable type housing. It would, they'd buy it, it would depreciate over five, ten, fifteen, twenty years. Where nowadays you're buying a, a modular home, and it's appreciating just like any other type of building out there, right? So, kind of with the codes being aligned between stick built and modular, um, our houses are really built the same, appreciate the same, and don't depreciate like they used to in the past. So, right, mm -hmm. right. Even just what Bryce said there, just using some terms, even the terms that people use when they talk about these types of structures um, carry a lot of weighted meaning. People use the term trailer and that evokes one image of a type of home um, or a stick built will evoke another type of image. And, you know, those can be real limit limiting factors when you're talking about a home, because when someone already has a conception about what something is predicated off of a word, um, it's going to make them think certain things or make an institution, a financial institution, think certain things. Right. So a big change in this industry, and that we'll talk about here today, is that harmonization of what's built on site under the National Building Code of Canada and what's built in a factory under the National Building Code of Canada. And that harmony and synergy between those two things. I think as people come to understand that, some of those preconce uh, preconceptions about this type of structure start to fall away a little bit because they start to see that the process is just different, but the f end result is the same. Right. So you talk about the the sort of the CHBA kind of um, like how are you guys represented there? Because there are those standards out there within 
you know, Canada. Um, you know, how are you guys represented there? Yeah, so about three years ago, um, as modular construction continued to, to gain momentum, um, the CHB identified it as being an area of growth. Um, and now modular construction is actually a council um, within the CHBA, no different than the home builders renovate, renovators are and your traditional home builders. Um, so it was a big step for our industry was being recognized um, amongst CHBA, which is obviously kind of represents the whole entire uh, construction industry. So that was, I think, a pivotal moment for our industry. Right. I mean, it just seems like it's it's really coming into like in the last three years that we're starting to recognize this as a really, you know, viable way to build. Yeah. 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 Just for anyone that might not know what the CHBA is, good point. it's a good yeah. thing to just kind of hit on. <laughs> so the CHBA is the Canadian Home Builders Association, and it's a council that um, is found nationally, but also locally. Um, where issues regarding to home construction can be addressed on large scales and on small scales. Um, and that's, it's an association that can advocate for builders' rights, but also for the consumers' rights and for raising of standards or harmonizing of standards across regions, communities, um, or across the nation. Um, it's what enables there to be sort of a, a, play, a fair playing field, but also just uh, as a stop check to make sure things are being done properly. And what's nice is that the factory construction industry um, in the last 20 years has started to develop councils of their own. And councils are to make sure that um, the construction of homes in factories are being done to certain standards and um, that the consumers are being looked after, but also that the builders um, are receiving the information that they need to be able to do things appropriately and move right. forward. And this this inclusion now of our industry within the national CHBA um, is, as Bryce was mentioning, is is a recognition of the quality of this construction. Um, but it's also bringing up all of the home builders that build within factories at the same time, giving them a voice nationally on the direction that home construction in Canada should go, and also advocating for the clientele that um, purchases homes that are built in factories. Mm. A lot of times CHBA is focused on large urban areas because that's where most Canadians live, in, in Calgary, in Vancouver, Toronto, Montreal. Um, but a huge portion of Canadians also live in areas that aren't those urban centres. And they have different circumstances and different needs, and having that voice on that national council really enables them to be heard and for things to change in a direction that enables them to have solid homes in the future. Right. And modular construction is slightly different. Things are, are, the processes are different, how we build. So when it comes to uh, advocacy, um, having a voice at CHB is important because now when CHB is talking to government officials about what are the next codes look like over the 10 years, is modular construction is being taken into consideration in those conversations where in the past, um, codes are kind of coming down. And then after that, once they come down to us, we're then having to try to make changes or accommodate those building codes. We're now we're kind of at the at the table having discussions ahead of time, mm -hmm. being a lot more proactive. So um, having a national voice at the CHBA is important um, just as our industry continues to grow, and it does continue to grow. So, And I like what you said there. It's, it's sort of a top-down issue of what the codes are for construction moving forward. Um, how a home is built in a factory, although the process or the construction materials are the same and the end result is the same, the processes from A to B to C are different than on site where it might be one, two, three. And so what might work on site doesn't always necessarily work within a factory setting. And so being able to actually be represented and have that discussion with the government and with uh, uh, 
the code association really enables us to make sure that what we're doing lives up to the the spirit of the code, but is also being done in the most effective way possible for the consumer. And to give a good example of that is obviously site built construction, materials are being delivered to site, being constructed at our site. Our homes are um, being built in a factory, being shipped on the highway at 100 kilometers an hour, um, being craned on, being taken on barges, things like that. So um, definitely the process is different. So that's why it's it's important to have a voice at the table. So, All right. So uh, what do the associations say? Uh, you represent the uh, Matt, you represent the MHABC. Bryce, you're representing the MHAPP. Uh, what do these associations do? What do they? What, what are the benefits of these associations in the housing industry? So just to start, the the acronym is the Modular Housing um, Association. And one is for PP, which is the Prairie Provinces. One is BC, which is obviously for British Columbia. Um, and there are provincial organizations that uh, all kind of come together for the same purposes of what the CHBA is doing, um, having one voice provincially. Um, as you look at our industry, there's multiple manufacturers, there's multiple retailers selling the product, um, and you're dealing with code items, you're dealing with transportation issues, you're dealing with um, multiple different things that have to be done uh, collectively as a group. So those associations get together, meet, um, and just focus on common issues. So everybody is is uh, independent businesses, but we're just focusing really on common issues. And one is focused in the uh, Prairie Provinces because their issues are slightly different than what you're seeing in BC. Um, so Matthew, maybe you can touch on some of the BC stuff you guys are dealing with now as some examples. So. Absolutely. I was just thinking as you were saying that, you know, the BC Association focuses very much on enabling the product to get from the, the factory where it's constructed to the consumer's end um, home, wherever that might be throughout British Columbia. And that can be quite a difficult process with different size uh, roads and restrictions there or ferries across rivers and lakes and even even across the uh, over to the island. So that's one thing that the association would be dealing with is the transportation, working with government. And, but in other ways that they work with the government is with different municipalities and understanding what the codes and requirements of those towns are to make sure that the homes are being constructed to the standard that that consumer needs. And twice there I've said the word consumer. I think for the associations, um, the big focus of them is ensuring that the consumer is receiving a product from a reputable constructing uh, company, a factory, transporter, or even a retailer that they purchase the home from to make sure that their home is that dream home that they're looking for. And is, is that who kind of makes up and is represented by these associations? Yeah, it'd be the manufacturers, the retailers selling the homes, uh, truckers. Um, they're delivering the homes. Sometimes you have setup crews, and then also to the uh, a lot of the manufactured home communities and modular home communities belong to these associations as well. So and there can even be associate members to those associations yes, as well. So financial institutions, uh, warranty companies, um, different stakeholders that are part of this industry are able to come in and be an associate to be able to have a voice and um, to be heard as well. So. And also, too, I'd say the, the Prairie Provinces right now, one of their big focuses is uh, education on both two sides, one on the financing side, so educating banks. And a lot of this comes back to what are some preconceived notions. A lot of banks and municipalities have stuff written in their bylaws and their policies that have been around since the 70s. Um, so our association spent a lot of time uh, working with them, updating policies, bylaws to make the process easier for people that are buying a home, whether it's through financing or whether they're going to their uh, local municipality to pull the building permit, just to make sure everything is is uh, 
um, up to date so that they're looking at a modular home no different than they look at a site-built home. So mm -hmm. We find the exact same thing in British Columbia as well, mm -hmm. but very much with the municipalities. Each municipality having the ability to kind of interpret how they view this product in different ways. And quite often that does come down to terminology, whether it's uh, the the uh, modular product that we build or whether it's the old T-word trailer or mobile, these, these terms can confuse and even um, have different definitions within these communities. So an association can help the, the consumer work with the municipality to make sure that their home is able to go into that community. Because at the end of the day, it, it's a home. It's no different than any other home. It's, it's a home, but obviously there's terms and labels that are put on it in order to have it work with certain types of flows. But um, at the end of the day, it's a home. Right. So if I'm a first-time home buyer, say, for instance, like you're saying, it's it's a home, um, what what am I looking at in terms of its design? Um, what are the design options available? Like, is it the same as, you know, hiring a contractor and sort of mapping out, you know, what your interior looks like? How, do, how does the process work with modular? Yeah. Well, I would say the the modular industry and the buying process is no different than what you see in the, in the site-built construction. When you're a homeowner out there and you've determined what your budget is. You're going to go around and look at a bunch of different types of builders. Um, no different than you go around to look at a bunch of different types of retailers. Mm -hmm. And you have retailers that are going to do anything from a very high-end home um, and other retailers that are going to kind of do your entry-level beginner homes. So really it's about identifying in the, uh, the process what type of builder you're looking for and then working with that builder. Um, and you've also got factories as well. Some factories focus on um, larger, bigger, higher-end homes. Some factories focus on your more first-time buyer home. So it really just depends on doing your research online, finding out what kind of builder you want to go with, which is no different than doing site construction. Um, so, so once someone has actually identified um, a builder that they'd like to go with, um, then that begins the the very enjoyable process, but can be uh, can be a daunting process of going through and picking out exactly how you would like that layout of the home to be, but as well what the decor items of that home would be. Um, for some people, that process can be uh, rather quick as they have worked with different builders that have um, set decor packages that they can choose from, while others are able to sort of mix and match. Um, most factories actually have a very good supply chain where they have a wide um, variety of decor items that enables the consumer to come in and sit down in the decor room and really get a feel for what's going to best suit their their, their vision for what their home feels like. And as they choose those items, they work with that sales center um, to put together that package. Once they've finalized that and feel comfortable with what, they, what they've chosen, they're able to submit that order to a factory who then utilizing their stock and the supply chain that they have is able to uh, produce that home for the end customer. And each, fa each factory will be a little bit different. Like uh, we said, there's kind of predetermined SKUs that they carry. And when I say SKUs, it's just different types of materials. Um, and once, once they determine what they're going to take, they're buying that in volume. So you're going to have flexibility, but we really look at it and we call it, uh, instead of it being customized, you're really configuring a home. So you're going to take a home, like Matt said, that the size is going to be whatever, 20 feet wide, 30 feet wide, 16 feet wide. Um, you're designing within those parameters that the factories have predetermined. Um, and you're buying kind of, uh, you're choosing the materials and the options that they've kind of pre-selected. So a lot of uh, factories and even dealerships will kind of pre-configure everything. They'll have decor packages that set, are set out. They may be designed by interior designers. Um, they may be designed by local ones or ones that are kind of across uh, Western Canada or the, or the prairies. Um, and they'll, they'll go out, predetermine your decors, your options. And really this is all being driven by what consumers are asking for. So 
Um, if consumers aren't asking for a certain kind of tub, you're not going to see that manufacturer. You're going to see the manufacturer carrying what's what's in demand, what's going to be high volume, so they can um, purchase that large quantities, have it ready at their factory. Because the big difference with uh, site built construction and modular also is um, in site built construction, your lead times are a little bit longer. Your your process is slower. Modular is probably about forty percent faster. So that means you have to have the materials there ready to go forty percent quicker too, right? So. Now that I've configured my home and I'm happy with that and it's uh, sort of in the, the, the retailer's hands and now in the manufactured hands, um, how long does the process take typically? What, what can I expect as a, as a home buyer? I think the, the factory built housing industry is really exciting and very unique as far as uh, residential construction goes. Um, the process is very much like a, an assembly line. Uh, once a home begins construction within a factory. It's working down from bay to bay with each area having uh, a craftsman or tradesman with cert- certain skill sets where they can actually begin to do one aspect of the home, then the next, the next. So when a home begins its construction within a factory, uh, typically it's built inside out. Typically we're beginning with um, things like the water lines of the home or the heat ducts, building the frame and the floor around that, and then putting up the structure of the home with the electrical and the inside walls, and then working our way outside. As this home is going down that uh, production line, um, which can take anywhere between uh, three weeks to two months, those elements are being done by professionals that work and stay with um, the factories and, and those companies for multiple years. They become experts at those different areas of the, the craftsmanship of the home that they're doing. Um, it also enables that home to be tested by qualified inspectors each step of the journey. So unlike a site-built home where typically a tradesman would finish an aspect of a home and then inspection would come to ensure that that's being done properly, there'd be some waiting for that, and then that would be done, you can move on to the next stage of the home. Within a factory construction setting, um, those things are happening simultaneously um, and almost instantaneously as they are completed a qualified inspector is coming to check on that, to correct any uh, deviations that may be there, and then continue to move forward. So that process of the actual construction is very methodical. Um, it's very detail-orientated, but it's also uh, quality-controlled in a way that you just can't find on-site. And, and there's obviously multiple plants doing it slightly different within each factory, but the fundamentals are very similar, where it's going down an assembly line, it has an inspection process, it has a quality process, um, and and that the, at the end of it, a home is being completed and ready for shipping. So, like Matthew says, it's very methodical, A to B, and um, and most factories are doing multiple different types of homes. So, the way you look at it as well too, most people have seen a production assembly line um, on TV, building cars, building trucks. It's very similar. Each station um, has a task that they complete, then it moves on to the next station, the next station, and so forth. So, um, a manufactured home facility is very similar to cars being pre- produced, campers, RVs, things like that as well. So, And I think a lot of consumers um, are often surprised when they have a, the opportunity to come in and to walk through a plant. And that's one area where it's quite exciting, I think, for the consumer where they can actually come in and see not just their home, but the process of multiple homes being constructed. Um, and they're always very... Uh, I would almost say overwhelmed when they first walk into a factory because there's so many aspects of that construction that are happening at any time. But then they begin to be able to see <clears> that <throat> professionalism and that quality with which is being done um, and actually see that that process in action and have that confidence that that same process will go into their home and the next home and the next home. 
And when consumers have a chance to, to walk through a factory and see that, they can leave with a very strong sense of um, uh, satisfaction and confidence that these homes are being built to a standard that's perhaps not necessarily being met um, on site. Right. And one of my favorite parts is when, when you're touring someone through a factory is, I'll speak for our factory and, uh, specifically, is we have a second level where you walk up, you're about uh, 30 feet in the air, you're looking down at the production assembly line and you see all the homes. All the ceilings are built on a second level behind you and they actually uh, take a completed ceiling, set it over on top of what looks like a dollhouse from where you are. So this kind of gives a neat perspective of how the houses are built from the inside out. They're putting drywall on, they're putting lino in and really the house, the, the house doesn't have a roof yet, right? So it's it's very different than site construction. So. Right. And in terms of budget, uh, I've got a, a specific budget in mind. And, you know, um, just like purchasing uh, a home, you you have an asking price and then you have a sale price. In terms of budget for, for, this, for this process, um, what are the benefits with that? You know, I... I really do think that it's uh, advantageous for the consumer because there's certain carrying costs that a uh, factory has because of their purchasing power where they can have some more certainty in the costs that they're presenting to their clients. Um, they, they know what their costs are for the lumber, for the materials, and they don't have to be as concerned about getting it out to um, a different neighborhood within the town where the weather could be um, incremental and, and possibly damage some of those things. So it starts to give a lot more confidence to those fixed costs of constructing a home. So when the consumer is working um, with their sales representative and designing and picking their home, that sales representative is able to provide them um, with a number that accurately represents the true building cost of that home when they order it. And that's one thing too. The banks and also the uh, the third party warranty providers actually really like is that everything's being done under one roof. It's being done by a large company versus multiple trades coming in and doing stuff, which has different types of liability. Uh, so looking at that way is it gives everybody security, right, from the bank to the insurance company to the warranty company to the end consumer that they're they're really there's there's one person that's doing the work versus it being multiple people and one of those multiple people could be the weak link in the whole process right so right. i really do like what bryce said there about sort of the efficiencies of the production process but i think there's even that ties into the green aspect of this construction standard you know on site typically you're driving the materials the personnel um, from site to site with lots of multiple people going different areas traveling uh large distances and materials traveling large distances from a distribution hub to multiple sections. A factory is pretty amazing because what it actually does is it has all the individuals who are working on a home coming to one area and bringing all the materials for multiple homes to one area. So you're cutting down on that transportation uh, carbon offsetting that comes from trucks going everywhere. So you're really reducing some of your carbon footprint just through that standardization of location where we're building the homes. Um, and in that one aspect alone, we start to see a, a carbon reduction, um, which is something that we're very proud of in this industry. Yeah, and, and there was a study done by the U of A in uh, 2010, um, and they, then they studied a project from start to finish, um, and they came to the conclusion that it was about 40% uh, uh, less CO2 emissions, 70% uh, less uh, waste, and then about 50% of the materials that were utilized there were recycled. So the great, best thing with a factory setting is that you're in a large location. You're not just in the middle of a subdivision with multiple builders. It's one company organized, and you can have recycling programs. You can have uh, track your waste. You can do a lot of efficiencies where you're, you have 
bins spray painted green, that that's where your, your wood goes. You have bins that are spray painted blue where your plastic goes and so forth. Um, so it really allows you to kind of put in, again, back to the process side of things, put in processes to make yourself very efficient. And that efficiency comes with reduced CO2 emissions, less waste, and being able to recycle lots, lots of stuff so as well. So That really ties into sort of, I think, the future of this industry as well. Yes. Um, you know, we talked about where the industry had come from and some of those views that individuals had about what this type of product was. But when you look at where this industry is going... Our homes are built to the exact same standard that a site-built home is, but with a reduced carbon footprint, with a better green presence because of the, the processes that we build our homes. But now as we look forward as an industry, site builders and factory builders, um, there's an effort to go greener, to have a, a more uh, net zero uh, home, something that is is saving the consumer um, money on heating and energy, but also is just better for the environment. And this industry is constantly looking for new ways to ensure that our homes are as energy efficient as possible, that they um, are using some of the best materials to really have your uh, best effect from your appliances or from your, your heating costs. We also have um, a voice, as we talked about earlier, on that national council where we're actually able to put forward ideas and be proactive in ensuring that we have a greener product in the future. Well, I think another advantage is two things is as we enter this green economy, uh, modular construction has a lot of benefits, but also too, as we enter where a lot of our workforce is aging now as well, we're seeing that um, in, in certain markets, certain areas, rural locations where there are no subtrades, there are no carpenters, they're getting older, um, where a lot of the manufacturing facilities are built and designed around an aging workforce. So you have overhead cranes, you have a lot more equipment there suited to, to, to work with an aging workforce. And also it's allowing you to bring younger people in, do training, um, and have them train with specific staff on site. So I think when it comes to modular, it's poised very well for the future because of the new green economy and how much more energy efficient it can be. And also the labor side of it. Um, let's face it, we're, we're going to have, we have a labor shortage already and it's only going to get worse. So mm -hmm. right. that labor shortage, I'm, I'm glad you actually brought that up because that's something that we're seeing um, in communities through across Canada where that skilled trades are, are hard to come by. Um, our, our product is, is the product, it's specifically designed for areas of Canada that it's difficult to get that skilled trade set out to. It's very expensive to build, uh, to bring some skilled trades to um, some of the rural regions of Canada where they perhaps don't reside. So one of the nice things about this industry is that we are able to have those skilled trade sets working at the factory and then the home going to where it needs to go, therefore reducing the overall cost to the, the consumer, um, but also ensuring that they're getting the best quality home that they possibly can in a place in Canada where perhaps there's not as many um, individuals that could build that home for them on site. Yeah, and, and time would be a factor as well too. You're you're now having people that are commuting from, say, Edmonton two hours north to frame a home or do plumbing or whatever. That that plumber is factoring the cost of that travel and all that into his price. So um, it is driving up costs of construction, where, again, coming to modular, everything being done under one roof, um, your costs are coming in a lot more aligned, and they're consistent too, right? So, Right. So speaking of rural or site, um, as, a, as a person purchasing a modular home, how do I get that? How, I've purchased a lot or, or somewhere where I'm, I'm ready to build. What do I have to do to prepare that site in terms of, uh, will, you, will, the, will the process sort of bring me through that and I know how to prepare that? How does that work? How do you 
how do you get the home to the site and have that site prepared once once it's there? Great, uh, great question. That's why Matthew and I are both sitting here. One of us is for the Prairie Provinces. One of us is for BC. And there's a very different market, um, not just from design or things like that. It's very different in how you transport homes to the site. It's very different in what's allowed to be transported. Obviously, one has mountains, one doesn't. So I'm going to let Matthew start and kind of talk about BC, and then we can kind of flow into the prairie. So. Absolutely. Within British Columbia, anyone that's ever driven a road uh, here in British Columbia just knows that it can be windy, they can be narrow, they can be uh, have very low heights because of bridges, overheads. Um, so that really does dictate how we build our homes. So when a consumer has found um, a piece of property that they've fallen in love with, uh, I'd say the first thing that they're supposed to do, as you asked, is just to stand there and take it in and just enjoy that piece of property. Because what the retailer will do when they're working with them is they will actually identify what are those transportation restrictions? What size of a structure can we get here? Does it need to be one piece or two piece or three pieces? And this is all based on location. It's all based on right. location. And so that's why it's so important for that that individual who has that beautiful piece of land to work with their sales center and their, their salesperson. So once they've identified that, they're able to determine all of these um, size, widths, height requirements, and even multiple box requirements to be able to get it out. Once the the, the boxes, the modules are finished being constructed in the factory, um, the sales centers will actually organize a transportation company to come pick up these homes and with pilot cars, bring them out to where they need to go. Um, once they are there, they're put together multiple pieces or sometimes single pieces, but put together in a way um, that it is uh, finalized and finished on the type of foundation that that individual wants for that property and then buttoned up or basically put together. So that home is now a completed finalized and finished structure. We're very spoiled in the prairies. Um, we're shipping homes anywhere from small homes that are 12 feet wide up to 30 feet wide, one piece down the highway. And really when it comes to um, um, transportation, the really it comes once you actually get to the physical site. Most of the highways in Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, um, they can ship those wide widths. It's once you get to the site, what does their approach look like? How many trees are in their yard? The laneway to get to this home site, or is it wide enough? Are the trees cut back? What's the tree canopy over the over the top? Um, so really, in the prairies, it's really what is the physical site where the homeowner's place going? That's where the challenges come in. That's where a lot of uh, work has to be done to determine that it can can be done. Whereas in BC, you're dealing with tunnels, bridges, mountains, a lot more rocks. <laughs> right, right. And and so who does that work? Who does the work of making sure the site is prepared for whatever type of home um, I've purchased to get there? So that would be this, the sales consultant that they're dealing with. So they will select um, um, a manufacturer who's building their home. They'll select which retailer is going to be building their home and delivering their home. And then from there, it's it's really going to be either that retailer is going out to the site doing a site inspection or else they're sending the trucking company that they're dealing with out to the site to do an inspection. And most of these companies have been doing this for a long time, so they can drive the route, see what's there, um, and give them a pretty good idea of, hey, this is possible, this isn't, this is possible, but you have to do this, this, and this in order to make it possible. So, And all of this is included in, in sort of when I get to a retailer and I'm going through the process, that site uh, preparation and, and, and things like that is all included within this this whole process. I wouldn't say it's included, it's priced in. So priced in. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it depends on the location. If it's if it's a site that's been very challenging, that challenge is going to be priced into the price of the home. So and what's interesting is 
there is no simple answer to anything because every individual is different. Every location is different. Some are uh, communities that are pre-prepared for homes from factories to be able to be brought back in and almost plug and play, yeah. um, which which is very simple. And then others can be incredibly complicated with building roads to get to the, the properties. But as the individual who's... Um, ordering these homes from the retailers, they will work with these with these centers to find out exactly what's required. And these retail centers will will do what is necessary to ensure that every aspect of that build, that transportation, that setup, and that button up, and the final handover of those keys are are done in such a way that it's it's quick, it's painless, um, and it makes the end consumer very, very happy. And just one uh, one point of clarification, because Matthew and I have both used two different terms. So we have mm. sales centers and retailers. And what we're really meaning is it's a uh, it's a location that someone will go. They're going to have show homes set up um, anywhere from, from three to five to 20 show homes that people can walk through. Um, and that will be the retail location that they're really buying the home from. Um, and that would be kind of um, their contract will be between them and the retailer or the sales center. And like I said, we just... Obviously, there's lots of different terminology, but that is maybe simplifies it a little bit. So. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for clarifying that. So uh, so I'm a homeowner, and uh, now that I've got my, my new modular home, what about home insurance? How does that look in, in terms of its process? So really, to the, the end consumer, insurance isn't anything different, but kind of behind the scenes, um, when the home is being constructed at the factory and sitting at the factory and completed, waiting to be delivered, um, that'll sit under the factory's insurance. Then once it's on the truck, it's the trucker's insurance. Once it's on site being craned on, it's the crane's insurance. And then really just turns into a regular homeowner's policy. So there is no real difference uh, in that aspect. But there is also the other side, which is the uh, um, Alberta or BC, Saskatchewan, Manitoba um, new home warranty. And our modular product would follow that exact same process as well. So when a consumer um, uh, receives its home, the warranty that's on that home will be no different than a site-built construction home. Uh, the biggest difference will be is just which province you belong to. It's slightly different among provinces. So Right, right. Well, I'd like to thank you both for coming and joining with me today and um, speaking on behalf of the Manufactured Housing Association of British Columbia and the Prairie Provinces. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Bryce. Yes, thanks, Crystal. Um, it's been a pleasure. Thank yeah, you. Thank you. I think we've learned a lot here today. Good. Great. Thank you.